It's time for another episode of Rainmaker for Contractors. Interviews and success stories with million-dollar-plus basement waterproofing and foundation repair owners. Discover how they market and grow their companies in today's economy. Hear directly from the most successful leaders in your industry. With your host and Rainmaker for Contractors owner, Bill Crawford. Hey, what's up? Welcome, everybody. Today, I'm excited to be talking about companies where employees thrive. Now, every one of us wants to work at that company where there is high-fiving energy, where employees enjoy their job, they're enthusiastic. When you get to the company, there's just like a vibe and there's a buzz that happens. People are hitting their goals and they feel like they're winning. They feel like they're on a winning team and they celebrate those wins. I think we all want to work at a company like that. Another aspect of a company where people thrive is you can go around the company and ask them, hey, what's your company about? Like, what's your mission? Why do you guys exist? And they could rattle off. In basement waterproofing, it might be, hey, we exist to create healthy environments for families so that they could enjoy their living space and thrive in it in the whatever metropolitan area. And then, and what do you do here? And they could explain exactly how their role and their contribution helps fulfill a company mission. Now, that's a company where employees thrive. Jim Collins talks about having the right people on the bus and in the right seats. Imagine working at a company where employees were competent and they knew what they were doing and they were in the right spot doing what they're supposed to do. Wouldn't that be great? If you're a business owner and you've owned a company for more than five or eight years, I'm sure you could look back at a time where you could say, oh yeah, when I had that staff, boy, everyone was on their game. We just clicked. You'd even probably say, you know, my life was a lot easier then because I had a really competent staff and they worked together and that those were fun years. I want to talk about that company that really thrives and does well. You know, we all want to work at a company like that, but how do we get there? What I wanted to do is share some observations of owning a company for over 30 years, and I'll share some mistakes that I made. And here's one that comes to mind, and that is uh, a principle that I've learned, and that is, you know, hire slow and fire fast. I've definitely made my fair share of mistakes of hiring the wrong person. And there's been times when I interviewed enough or I interviewed a little bit and I really needed to fill a position. But sometimes it's one of those positions where it might take a month or two to really figure out if the person's going to be a great fit. And I've made that wrong decision. Other times there's some positions where you could hire them and you can kind of get a feel within a day or two if this is going to be a fit or not. And if you stick to the principle of, you know, hire slow and fire fast, that could work really well. Now, I think we tend to underestimate how expensive it is to hire the wrong person. Training takes a long time. Owners always underestimate how long it takes to train somebody. Typically, we don't have any extra time to train somebody, but then we make room for our schedule because we know how critical it is. But then the person tends to need more time than we think that they need in our head. So training is very, very costly when we're investing it into the wrong person. So keep that in mind. 
The second thing that comes to mind is setting expectations early for that new employee. And I do really think setting expectations goes a long way for about, I don't know, three or four weeks. Let me give you an example. Let's say the company's struggling with negative energy. And so when you bring someone on, you want that person to be positive and you certainly don't want them to be imprinted with negative energy, right? So in the interview and in the hiring process, maybe in the training onboarding process, you said, you know, we really value being positive around here. We want everyone to take responsibility for their their words and their actions. And so that's really important to us. And that's all good and cool, except in three weeks or so, they're going to really watch and see what the real rules are. And they're going to watch that time when someone comes in, let's say it's a sales rep that comes into your office and they're all negative and they're complaining about the leads that there's not enough damage on these leads and there's nothing to work with. What they're going to observe is they're going to observe how you deal with that situation. And that's the real message. So you could say whatever you want, set expectations at the beginning. And I do think they work for the first few weeks, but then they start observing and they see what happens in those situations when someone is negative because then the real message is, okay, maybe it's valued for positive energy in this company, but then what happens? Like, is there accountability or is there any effort to get that turned around? What happens in the moment and what happens afterwards? That's the true message that's being sent. So really need to be aware of like messages that are being sent when interactions happen that are alive, super important. Now, if it is a salesperson that comes into the office and talks about leads with not enough damage, I do like turning that around. And a simple line that I found really helpful is to say, hey, what are you learning about running leads with not a lot of damage? Let's talk about that. Because chances are they're going to find that same lead probably later on in the day or tomorrow or the next day. So unless there is a way that they could, you know, one, have a more positive outlook on that, because scheduling is going to give them another lead and they're going to be like, oh, there's nothing even going on here. Why am I driving an hour out to this lead? I got it. One more of these. But then two, you've got to equip them so that they can take responsibility for what they could be responsible for. They can't be responsible for the amount of damage in a home. All they could be responsible for is their words and their actions in the home. So as long as they are doing everything they can, and if you could focus their energy on that, that's going to position them a whole lot better. Doing nothing in that scenario, I think is a huge mistake for just a lot of reasons. I think when someone is being negative, like they can't contain the amount of negativity inside of them. So it just like, it just spews out. And to me, it's a cry for help. It's kind of like, hey, someone lead me. Someone help me. I'm stuck in my negativity. I don't know how to get out of this. So it's just going to spew out of me. And it's a great opportunity to grab that person and to say, hey, come here, let's talk. What's going on? These leads suck. Okay, let's talk about the leads. No, better yet, let's talk about you. What can you do with a lead like this? We can't change the weather. We can't change the leads. It's just the way it is. But let's talk about how you can channel your energy into something that's going to be more helpful to you.
if you have uh, one of your installers complain about a check, let's say it's it's Friday and I mean, everything is direct deposit these days if they get their check stub and they're like, this is bogus. I work so hard and I only get paid this and I'm bringing in all this money and these jobs. Boy, like you just got to grab that person and say, hey, let's talk. Let's talk about how you can earn more money. Let's t- And then also, I would also talk about all the different expenses that are in the company. But you definitely want to be able to channel that person in the right direction and have them be pointed towards learning more skills and learning more tasks and uh, working harder and developing people skills so that they can become a foreman and, and run their own jobs and train new people. And if you point them in that direction, those are opportunities for, for raises. And just about every waterproofer that I know is always looking for another foreman to put on a crew. You know, when you grow and you want to add more crews, it's always like, okay, well, I, I can't compromise the quality of the work. So who's going to run these jobs, right? So you want an experienced crew. So you always have to be constantly training and developing. So if you see someone complaining about a paycheck, boy, you got to grab them and just really point them in the right direction and channel, have them channel their effort again, to take responsibility for their own lives instead of be handed something and show them how could they how they could earn more money through learning more skills, working harder on the job and furthering themselves. So the second point that I'm bringing up about expectations, yes, it's important to set expectations, but I think it's more important to live those expectations out. I think that we humans believe actions over words. So words are cheap. How you live and how you back those expectations up makes all the difference in the world. A third item that relates to companies where employees thrive is core values. The majority of those companies do have core values and what are core values? They are, they could be five to 10 sentences, short sentences that explain the values of the company in very concise words. For example, you know, we do the right thing. Another one is respect, treating others the way you want to be treated. So these core values get often posted on the walls in companies. They're in handbooks. I I do some coaching and someone messaged me over the weekend saying like, hey, I, I finished my core values. Can you please give me your feedback? And I read them and boy, I had so many thoughts. I I um my my first question, I wondered if these if this owner came up with these core values with their leadership team or he came up with them himself. I think he came up with them himself, especially when I read one that said um, extreme ownership. Just to give you an example, you know, we go totally out of our way to do everything possible to own every single detail of our job, that kind of a thing. I was like, whoa. So my feedback was, hey, if you're just wanting these on your website, kind of for show, you know, I think it passes. Um, But I'm thinking if you want to create a culture where core values are discussed and everyone in the company can be uh, held accountable, I I think unless this, that your leadership team 
came up with these core values with yourself, it's going to be a little bit difficult to create a company culture around that because there's not going to be ownership from the leadership team around those core values. And, you know, the right way to do core values is, is to involve your leadership team in one of the ways to do it is to have everyone come up with, you know, five different core values. And some people use words, some people use short sentences. It's, um, it's helpful sometimes to pull up other companies' core values and people contribute, like in round one, you might have like, let's say there's five people on your leadership team. In round one, you might have, if each person does five, you know, you might end up with 20 different core values. And then you start to say, well, actually that one is very similar to these two. And so you start putting them in groups and so on. And round two, you end up with uh, a much shorter list. And then round three, you can, you can, vote as a team on what's going to be your most important core values. And you're going to have to decide on, you know, the number, you don't want too many that the fewer that you have, the better. But when you involve your leadership team to come up with your core values, now they feel like they can own those and they, cause they voted on them. Like they, they help create them because what you want to do with your core values is you want to discuss those every now and then to, and to say, I, I like to have meetings to start and say, hey, just real briefly, you know, let's come up with two examples of how we've held up our core values as a company. And then uh, there are two examples of how we have not held up our core values as a company. And what can we do to, to do things differently? I have a colleague that sends an automated email about an hour before their employees leave on Friday and they have to fill it out. And it has those questions. Give me you know, three examples of how we upheld our core values and give me two examples of how we did not this week. And I got to say, it includes the owner. Like the owner's got to model it. The owner just can't have one set of rules for himself and a different set of rules for everybody else. It's just does not model good leadership. And I will say in most companies, there is a gap between the core values that are posted on the wall or on a handbook and the real core values. The real core values are the ones that get lived out, that get lived out every day in the company. So that the more you can shorten that gap between those two sets of core values, the real ones and the ones on the wall, the more there's going to be that synergy and energy. And the more that the leadership team can take ownership of those core values and the leader can be accountable and leads well with performing and behaving and leading in a way that's consistent with the core values, there's going to be really good synergy that comes out of that. So having core values and living them out is definitely one of the things I've seen where employees can thrive in a company. The last item I want to mention with companies where employees thrive, many of them are using what's called EOS. EOS is called Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's a philosophy of management that has kind of figured a lot of things out. And it's a system and it involves, uh, like we use it in my company here and everyone has a scorecard. And so they, they report on a weekly basis on some key 
um, figures that relate to their job that they're responsible for. And the other item is everyone has a rock or rocks. And what is a rock? It's a, it's a quarterly goal. It's something that they kind of do on the side. And it's, it's something that they often came up with themselves where after each quarter we say, Hey, what's, what's uh, a good rock for you that relates to the, your job that relates to your contribution to the company that you could work on. And then we have a, a weekly meeting where the leadership team meets and we report on our, our scorecards. How are we doing on a weekly basis? Did we hit our goal for the week? And how are we doing on our, our rock? Are we able to report progress? And if someone doesn't you know, report progress in a week, maybe even two weeks on a rock, you know, okay, it it's, needs to be done at the end of the quarter. We don't want to let that person get too far behind. So it becomes unrealistic, but sometimes people get busy and other times there's opportunities to get ahead. And if someone has, is stuck or something happens, it's a good time to talk about it. Another, um, so I'm really talking right now about our, our, what's called a level 10 weekly meeting where the leadership team gets together and, and meets. And another part of that meeting is called um, IDS, which stands for, and by the way, this is the bulk of the meeting. It stands for identify, discuss, and solve. So this is the meeting where every person is able to identify issues in the company that could be improved and we discuss them and we prioritize them and we put a name on there who's going to take responsibility for this and we we put a date on there and each week we're going over those issues and each week we're adding more issues to identify to discuss and to solve so we brainstorm together and we we knock these out and when you have a leadership team that is contributing to solving problems and taking ownership of the company and looking out um, for the company to get better, that creates a lot of synergy and energy and positive momentum. People feel empowered. And you know, certainly employees thrive when they feel empowered, when they feel they're in the driver's seat and they can make a contribution and their contribution matters. So I've really enjoyed uh, incorporating EOS into our, our company and management system. I've had, I, you know, I always have a coach and I've had lots of different management systems. But my thinking is like, why try to reinvent the wheel? Like, do we really have time to kind of come up with some better management system? Uh, if, if we are, we, we might just be kind of making it up as we go. I like the structure that EOS provides because when you put things in place um, and make them work for your company, it could be a really powerful thing. If you're interested in the main book that relates to EOS, if you're a reader or audible, it's called Traction. You'll find it on Amazon and anywhere else. Now there's many, many more observations that you and I can make about companies where employees thrive. I just want to throw those out for now. I hope they're helpful. I truly hope that you can show up in a work environment where you enjoy your job, you enjoy your life, you enjoy the people that you work with. To make that happen, people, they need to take responsibility for their role. And you as a leader, if you're the owner, you need to really try to work and make that culture you know, thrive.
I, I love this analogy. You know, it's it's the fish tank analogy. You you buy fish from a pet store, you bring them home, your fish tank is dirty. How long are those fish going to live for? It's because the culture that they are swimming around and they're choking, they're dying, they're not getting good oxygen. But if you take those same fish and you put them in a clean fish tank with live plants that are taken care of and the pH level is good and there's not like a, you know, one of those fish that terrorize everyone else, um, that's going to be a good culture and those fish are going to thrive. And so your company is very much like a, a fish tank. It's a culture. So when you create that good culture, employees can thrive in that. All right. Thanks for joining and I hope to catch you next time. You've been listening to the Rainmaker for Contractors podcast, where basement waterproofing and foundation repair business owners and industry experts share marketing and sales information that helps you reach more customers. Please leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and get all of our show notes at rainmakerforcontractors.com slash podcast.